We continue this morning with our Our Story series. Why don't you give Matt and Jen some love as they come on up this morning? Matt and Jen are one of the latest additions to the the crew here at Grand Valley Church. Uh, Jen, just this new year, 2024, stepped into the role of discipleship pastor. And prior to that, we brought them on uh, with the role of worship pastor. So now Matt's officially kind of leading that charge on the worship side. Jen's stepping into discipleship. And of course, they collaborate. I don't worry about how they collaborate. I just say, you guys collaborate however you want. As long as it gets done, we're happy about it, right? So... Uh, just want to jump in with you both by having you start off telling us a bit about yourselves. You know, how did you meet kids, family, that kind of stuff? Jump in. Yeah, go for it. Oh. Um, well, Matt and I met um, probably 2007 at the Embassy Church in Oshawa, which is a very large church, and we love them there. Um, Matt was the worship director at the time, and I was a new uh, worshiper, and he actually... Um, gave me the space to become a worship leader myself. So that was really nice, um, especially since it's my part of my call. <laughs> um, and we together have six kids. Um, my three, one is at the back giving us our words this morning. Thank you, Keegan. Um, and Take a bow, Keegan. Take a bow. <laughs> he, he took his wave. <laughs> um, and their age ranges are 23, 21, and 18. You go with yours. Yeah, and then I have three kids, and they live in Oshawa with their mom, and their age ranges are 21, 18, and 15. Um, So it's uh, been busy. We're busy. Um, But it's good. It's a good type of busy, right? That's what we say when we don't want to put the burden of busyness on other people. We say, it's a good type of busy. Um, Yeah, so we we met in 2007. We've, we're friends for a long time, and then we got uh, actually got married in 2015. So we'll, it'll be nine years this year. Nine years, so amazing. Round of applause for nine years. Nine years. That's a little weak. It's nine years, everybody. There we go. I'm just kidding. It feels like two years. It feels like, yeah. Yeah. Two years. And forever at the same time. How does that work? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So, obviously, you guys both find yourself in ministry in a very active way, but it maybe wasn't always that way. So, tell us a little bit about your faith journey, uh, how you came to faith, what what that was like, and um, how long maybe you've been a Christian or journeying even in in, in more formal ways in ministry. Yeah, so I've been a Christian since before I was born. Um, My grandparents on both sides are, like, I'm, I'm third generation Pentecostal kid on one side and fourth generation on the other side. Um, so there's been a, a really big heritage of uh, Christian faith for me. I, I joke sometimes, and my mom usually watches, so first I have to say, hi, mom. <laughs> nice to see you. Um, but I, I joke sometimes because I was born, my mom was, as I understand it, in the middle of a revival service. And then she started having contractions, and so I tell people I was, I was birthed in revival. Um, that's my claim to fame. Um, but growing up, I was at church two or three times a week. Um, I was a part of, if, if you can remember this far back, I was part of the Crusaders. Um, and if you don't know what that is, it, it, wasn't, it didn't involve violence at all, okay? Um, obviously, Crusaders doesn't exist anymore for obvious reasons, 
But as a kid, I was kind of indifferent to it and just loved it. It was like a boys and girls club. So involved uh, in that way, always involved in music in the church, singing in choirs and um, playing instruments. My parents, when I was six years old, um, put me into piano lessons. I'm really grateful now. Um, their rule was, we're putting you in piano lessons. You have to get your grade eight Royal Conservatory. Um, and once you get that, then you can decide whether you want to keep going. So that was a tough slog for them, right? Because, you know, it's sunny outside. All my friends are outside and I've got to do scales for 30 minutes. And so that was never fun. I would often... I think they know this now, but I I would often change the clock in the living room. I would push it ahead five minutes so that I could get out of practicing. And uh, one time I messed up and it was like, it's not 7.30 already. Oh, I don't know. The battery must be going or something. Um, uh, but there's, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for my parents because they, they put me into music very early. And by the time I got to my grade eight, I thought, oh, I like this now. It's like, Things are sounding like music, so I just I kept going for a little bit. Um, but church life was like everything, two, two or three times a week. I was involved in church, and so then went to Bible college. Um, actually met Matt uh, at Bible college, was uh, his next-door neighbor for a year. Um, so that's, that was kind of like uh, when we came here and, and we reconnected. It was like, it's been 20 years, but wow, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, so it, it's been like just a consistent journey with God. Um, my story is the opposite. Um, so I grew up not going to church. Um, I had a God consciousness that I can't explain or describe, but I felt like he was always with me, even though that wasn't language in our home at all. Um, and I'm, I'm probably one of the less than 1% who actually was saved on a bus leaving university from a tract. Somebody handed me a tract, and I was like, oh, yeah. It was kind of like I always knew that uh, Jesus was my Savior, and so I was literally on a TTC bus leaving York University going, oh, yeah, yeah I'm a Christian now. <laughs> um, but, but my active... Um, faith probably I would say actually started in 2005 so I was actually pregnant with my youngest my daughter and my boys were four and two and we were in a very difficult place Uh, and and God actually started speaking audibly to me so it's interesting how I knew that it was God even though you know I didn't really have that influence to know that he would speak but I knew it was him and uh, he held me very closely for well, he still does, but a number of years when things were very, very difficult. Um, and I started going to the embassy in 2007 because I say God made me because I didn't want to go. I thought, didn't know what to think about Pentecostal people. <laughs> and now I'm one of the most Pentecostal Pentecostal people in terms of outward expression of worship. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's, been a, it's been a journey since then. I'm very close with the Lord um, because of what he's done for me. Um, how he has truly saved me and my kids. Sorry. Um, I know who he is, and I know who I am, 
in him. And I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for everything that he's done and how he continues to hold on to me and hold on to us. And just, I, I know that he wouldn't say I owe him, but I feel like I owe him my life. I do. Yeah. We should, um, first of all, there's no problem with the emotion, right? Do you remember? Remember. I want you to remember, you were saved. You are saved. Every one of you is saved from something. Something horrible was waiting for you. And God comes in his mercy, in his power, in his goodness, and he saves us. You have that in your story. Remember it. Don't forget it. Hold it close. It's real and it's good. But we're saved people. We're a saved people. It's a beautiful thing. So you kind of, you know, allude to and touch on, and you can kind of dive into that in ways that are comfortable to you. But, you know, this leads us into kind of a conversation about challenges, real challenges in your faith and in your life. Um, if you can maybe share some of that, some of the challenges that you've gone through in your life, and, and, and then speak to how you think it shaped your walk with Jesus over time and, and the life that you have with him now. Yeah, so in 2012, um, I was separated and eventually it led to being divorced. And for about two years, it was, you know, they, they talk sometimes about the dark night of the soul. And I think most people go through at least a, an element of it at some point where you're just questioning. Like all, all of these things become... Um, it can become so overwhelming. And I remember, <clears throat> like like I was saying, my life with Jesus was consistent. It's like I hadn't known anything other. And there were really impactful moments in my life. Like I remember when I decided for myself that I was going to follow Jesus. I was like seven years old. And it was at kids camp. And they were talking about dinosaurs. And I have no idea why that connected for me. Um, but something of what the speaker said, just I, I knew I want to follow Jesus all my life. Um, I had another encounter when I was 14, 15, just miraculous things in my life that there, there was no way to explain it. You know, people knowing things about me that they could never have known unless they had known him. And he knew me, and he knew them, and so there's like there's the connection. And so there was these moments punctuated in my life where I I, I didn't doubt, right? But when things fall apart that you like right out of left field, never saw it coming. Um, I I can't imagine people going through life without having this relationship with him. I think that's how I I frame it. Um. Because the darkest times of my life, I was just driven to him. And I remember, you know, I had a good relationship with him. But in 2012, 13, uh, the end of 13 into 14, like I would fall asleep with just worship playing constantly. It, it's like there was an intensity that I, I needed that. I needed that to be in that space, to be in that comfort. And... One of my favorite verses is uh, comes from Philippians four, 
And 4 verse 8 says, you know, whatever's noble, whatever's true, whatever's trustworthy, like it lists all these things to think about. But the verse before it, verse or two verses before it, talks about this peace that surpasses understanding. And it, it's something to this day, I've, I've had to walk with families through tragic situations. I would never wish this. I've had to do funerals for babies. It, it's probably the worst part of pastoring I've ever experienced is, is that. And in the moment, God is true to his word where he gives this peace, and I can't explain it to you. If you asked me, what's that peace all about? I have no idea. Um, except to know that the closer I am with him, the more I feel that peace. And in those darkest times of my life, I think it just solidified in me that I need to feel that peace on a regular basis. Sometimes I, I can look back and think, man, did I take God for granted? Right? Did I just go through the motions? And nobody wants to think that they've done that. But I think if, if I was honest with myself, the moments that drove me into his presence helped me understand that I can't do this without that. Like, I can't do this without him. And I, we can all do things. We can all, we all have skills and we all have abilities and we can do things in our own strength. But there's a difference between just doing it on our own strength and relying on him. When I'm weak, he's strong. And that became, like, that smacked me right in the face. It's, it's changed my life because I can't imagine facing difficulty without him anymore. Um, I think mine would be sort of in, in different sections where, like, in the beginning, the Lord saved us and kept us safe, myself and my kids. Um, so there was one way that he spoke to me. It was audible, but it was a lot about um, that I mattered and that he was going to take care of me. Um, and then some of you will catch this in, in, in him moving me into the position of knowing who I am and my identity and having self-worth and then having a call on my life um, that stirs up things, uh, difficult things. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that portion of my relationship with him was uh, the battle that would come against me meant that I had to dig in to him and his presence and his word, you know, what was he saying to me in the time to be able to survive this, uh, now I'm coming into my call and the enemy doesn't like that. <laughs> so, you know, accusation and, you know, all kinds of really difficult things, uh, and, and even within the church, so, and more so from the church, actually. Um, and so I, as painful as it was, and I didn't understand it then, um, I did have a peace that surpassed understanding. Um, you know, the Lord kept saying, go, keep going, keep going. And I kept praying. But in all of that, I had so many encounters with him uh, that I wouldn't trade it for the world. So even though it was so painful by the hands of people who should know how to love, uh, it taught me how to be with him and fully with him. And so now when I come out of it, it's so present in my life. It's the number one thing is his presence and what's he saying. Yeah. So you would both kind of say like a yes and amen to, to saying that God has taken some of those most destructive things and worked them for your good. 
has not let them go to waste. So we often say things that are easy to say in church, like God can turn hard things around. Uh, We know the hard things. Sometimes the hard things are the good things, and that really is difficult. (laughs) Hard things being good things. But God doesn't waste what we go through if we give it to him, if we surrender our lives back to him. Yeah, he actually used those things to to promote me. Um, in a way that I couldn't promote myself. Self-promotion yes. does not work yeah. <laughs> when, when you're following you the Lord. He really you. did. He used those moments, but uh, there was a responsibility for me yeah. in the testing. Yes. How do I handle that? How, how do I conduct myself in that so that he could bless and he could give the double portion? Yeah. And yeah. it is that relationship, too, that we can, we can count on and lean on over and over again. I remember uh, when I was uh, dating Michelle, I had just... Uh, I think I'd brought her back to Ontario for the first time, and uh, my parents liked her, which was good. And what, what's not to like? She's basically perfection. Yes, I'm saying that for bonus points. Um, and uh, my dad said, hey, you know, Andrew, it seems like this is going well. Um, are you ready to kind of wade through two or three rough months? And I said, yeah, no, I think I could, I think I could do that. He's like, are you ready to really wade through a really hard year? a year of difficulty. Could you weather that with this person? I think, yeah, maybe, maybe I could. He's like, what about going through a bad decade? I'm like, dad, do you have something to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> um, but just this idea that uh, in the end, this relationship, what makes it so beautiful isn't that it's perfect. It's that you can continue to rely on it and it becomes so transformational and informs everything else, right? And then when you go through these difficult things and you again come to Jesus and he keeps coming through for you, how can you go without him? Like, what other option is there, right? So maybe we can turn the page a little bit now and think to happier moments or times. Uh, Why don't you tell us about one or two positive experiences or fun memories that have maybe shaped your lives? Uh, What are a few things that you're grateful for in this current season of your life that just bring you great joy? I was hoping you'd go because I needed to think. No, I started the last one. (laughs) Happy moments, things that bring me joy. Well... Matthew brings me joy <laughs> every day. Aww. Sometimes even when he's asleep, he's oh, the funniest. No, fu- I'm not going to tell stories. The funniest person on the planet, this man, honestly. And the kids can attest to that. Um, I think, you know, because my kids and I were, were on our own, and, and the reason why we were on our own was it, it caused us to be so freakishly close to one another we are just like I don't just love my kids I like my kids they're cool people I don't ever need to be away from them they're just so awesome um and Matt uh just fits right in and he actually sort of takes over in terms of like the humor and the kindness and the care that he shows to us um and my kids are not biologically his but he does everything for them every more than than i can sometimes uh so he's just like the light in our house like we're we're already so happy and this guy just takes it over the top so i would say i'll I'll speak for all four of us that this one is just probably our greatest blessing that's tough because i was just going to talk about my favorite tv show Jen is the funniest person I know. See? No, what, what, I, I think this is going to sound so cheesy. When we moved to the area, 
um, where we were living in Bowmanville was a really nice place, and it was difficult to move um, for, for lots of reasons that we won't get into today, but um, we really felt coming here, being a part of this family, and I may be getting ahead of myself, so I'll pull back a bit, but um, it, it was a God move for us. Yeah. Um, so when we moved, like, we lived behind a Petro-Canada, and there were, like, skyscrapers going up, and, and just we're country people. Like, I grew up in Pembroke. Um, most people will know Petawawa because there's a, a military base there, but Pembroke's way more popular um, for those who grew up there. Um, but I lived in the Ottawa Valley. My grandfather was a beef farmer, like, just g'day, g'day, you know, how, how you doing? And so we moved here. It, it, things are a little bit faster paced in Bowmanville. You don't look people in the eye when you're walking. You don't, like, you could get beat up. So you don't do that. And it's not that people are mean. It's just that everyone's kind of siloed to their own thing. And we moved here and just we're, we're driving down 24 Rest Acres Road and we're going towards our house. And there's just like the sky is huge. And you go past all of these farm fields. And it, it felt like home for me, to be to quite honest. Um, Jen's had a bit of an adjustment because when we go out and we run errands, Everybody wants to talk. Everybody, oh, how are you today? Uh, I just need to do this banking. That's right. <laughs> so not in a rude way, but it's just, it's unusual. Like, oh, you would like to talk? Sure, we can talk. I'm used to that. I grew up in that where you just have conversations. You're standing in line waiting for your, you know, to, to buy your groceries. And you turn to the person behind you and you're just like, how are you today? Oh, I'm really great. Right? It's it's a little odd sometimes, maybe. It's a bit embarrassing for Jen sometimes. No, but I'm from Toronto. We don't talk. Right. Um, but I just think, like, one of the, the best things for me is just being in this place. And, again, not to sound cheesy, but being where you know God wants you to be is more impactful in my life, more, like, having a sense of purpose and having joy um, is brought by being in that place with him. Um, so there's lots of fun stuff that goes on. There's, you know, we've got a dog, a, an eight-year-old golden retriever, and she's just a loaf. She's like 50 or 60 pounds overweight. <laughs> she ate a chocolate bundt cake off of our stove last month. Whole thing. She loved it, right? Chocolate's bad for dogs, though. Oh, yeah. Tell her that. She just eats it. Balls of dough off the counter. Doesn't matter. Oh, a piece of metal? I'm going to eat it. No. <laughs> yeah. So, like, she brings me joy. She just makes me laugh, right? Um, and if you ever meet her, she will waddle at you very quickly because she's very excited to meet you. But it's, she, she, in her brain, she's going very fast. But it's just kind of this, like, lumbering. Yeah. So I, I find joy in very simple things, which is, I think... You know, my sense of humor is a little dry sometimes, but I just, I, I find funny things in everything. So as I mentioned, you know, we've, Matt and Jen have been here not a terribly long time, but you, you began to touch on it, but maybe you could elaborate. So what are a few of the things that you, you appreciate about this church community, Grand Valley Church, and, and maybe then just define your roles a little bit so that people know really what it is 
the call on your life and how that aligns with your, your role here at Grand Valley? Yeah, so um, again, grown up in the church, so I've been a part of many different churches. The Embassy Church is a, a bit of a larger church. Um, and then there was a period of time, Jen and I stepped down from there in 2019 because we really felt that God wanted to take us in the next step. And so four years, um, it, it was a little difficult because we so wanted to, to be obedient to the voice of God, but it didn't always make sense. Um, and so we were leading worship in different churches, all, no, large churches, small churches, um, you know, brown churches, white churches, big churches, small churches, right? Like it, it just feels like a Dr. Seuss, you know, uh, book, what, how we did things. Um, but connecting here, so our connection is, is mainly through Pastor Ralph and Deb. Uh, we're credentialed with Elam Fellowship. And <clears throat> so there was this opportunity here to, to come. We love you. Like, we love the people. The first week we came in, everybody's smiling. Everybody's, like, wanting to get to know us and say hi. And, um, like, it, you can't minimize how overwhelming that can be sometimes to walk into a place that's actually functioning like the body is supposed to function. So that's very appealing to us. Also, this place is, like, we've been in some places that are, I would I would say a little more uptight, like everything, everything's got to be, is that, I shouldn't have said it like that. Maybe facilitated differently um, is what I'll say. But this place is so like, like I'm in a sweater and a t-shirt and shoes. And I know that that can be difficult sometimes. Like I, when I first started pastoring, it was suit and tie morning and evening uh, or else, you know, do you even know Jesus, right? And I get that culturally times change, so I, I totally understand that. But the fact that we can worship together and be together as just, you know, connected community um, and be ourselves, um, that is the greatest gift in, in the body to be able to worship as you are. Many churches say it, not many ch- churches execute it very well. And so that I love that about here. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. So the first thing that I noticed was the warmth of the people. Um, just so genuine and lovely. Um, I'm very grateful. It's, it is a different experience. Like when we've traveled to a lot of different churches and led worship and also led um, workshops and stuff for um, worship teams, um, all lovely people, but there's something about this house that's just different. Um, and I, honestly, obviously, Ralph and Deb being our connection to bring us in. And, and you know, Ralph's my other dad at this point, right? Where he's just... I, I lost my dad in 2014. Actually, yesterday was the anniversary of that. And I have Matt's um, dad, who's phenomenal. Um, so I'm blessed that way. Uh, but Andrew... And not just because he's in earshot. Uh, he's a phenomenal human being. Um, we love working with Andrew. He's just so kind and so gracious. Um, he pulls things out of you that you don't know necessarily, necessarily were there. Um, and he just gives you the grace and the space to, 
to do what you're supposed to be doing. And that's just so lovely. Uh, there's been many times I've said to Andrew, no, that's not normal, right? Like, <laughs> just the way that he... Yeah, just, just a lovely, lovely human being. The whole team, actually, is so fun that we don't necessarily feel like we're coming to work. Um, we come to be with friends doing something super cool, uh, and we have a lot of laughs along the way. Oh, my role. Um, so my official role here is as a worship pastor. That involves, right now it involves like music and uh, worship team, but worship is so much more than just, I've said this to a couple people the past couple weeks, worship is so much more than just 20 minutes on Sunday morning. It's not, that's a part of it. Um, but worship and, and my heart for this place and for this community is to see us all be people who worship all the time. Like we're just, we are worshipers. And so then when we come together, the expression isn't, you know, which songs do we like or which songs do we not like? It, it's, it's more like collectively we're responding to the heart of God and we're responding to the love that he's poured on us. And to become people that can do that in every situation. When I'm at the grocery store, um, you know, when I'm downtown, when I'm at work, when I'm with friends, when I'm with family. And that can be difficult. Um, Sometimes people, people don't always have strong family connections or friend connections or work connections. Like there are difficulties in all of those things, but to be people of peace who know what it is to walk with God all the time, that would be something that I would see as a focus to help us become this place that's just able to express worship in everything that we do, including Sundays, but also Monday to Saturday. Um, for me, as the discipleship pastor, from a practical standpoint, um, really it's a lot of the family events that we run here um, and the discipleship nights that we run. But I would say really those are sort of vehicles or, or tools, and worship as well as a tool, in order to love people well. And so I, I believe that's the number one thing that's my role here is to love people well, whether that means in a group setting or a one-on-one uh, you just need some prayer, some time together. I'm so beyond blessed to be able to move and function in love. So just encourage you, um, can I ask you guys to remember Matt and Jen and to remember our broader team and the call of God, not on us as individuals, but on what God wants to do with our staff, with our eldership, with our leadership and where he wants us to go. We, we need, we need the, the practical things that we always talk about, but we need a community that believes in this place, that pours into it, that prays for it, that sees God's call, and that, um, that kind of goes ahead and, and also trusts that uh, there's something out there. We're called to have impact in the city in a, in a unique way. We believe for uh, big things in the future. We believe that God has Matt and Jen here for a purpose, has all of us here for a purpose, and we're discerning that together, and it's a real privilege. So just as you wrap up, maybe just take some time to share maybe an exhortation or a bit of a challenge or a thought as we, as we wrap up today. Is there anything on your mind that you just want to challenge or share or encourage us with today as we kind of begin to wrap up? Yeah. So I had a dream... Um, I don't know how long ago now, maybe five years ago, six years ago. 
and it was really vivid. Like I, I knew it was, I'm usually pretty good at discerning pizza dreams versus God dreams. Um, this was definitely a God dream and it spoke to me, but I, I know that it's helpful for other people as well. But in this dream, I, I saw this, um, meadow and it, it was just beautifully manicured grass and nice gardens and it was warm you know it wasn't 32 degrees and humid it was like 22 degrees and there was a nice little breeze and it was just this beautiful beautiful space and I remember sitting on the grass in this dream and just talking to God and saying this is such a nice place let's stay here forever and he immediately took me to a picture of this wasteland full of thick thorns and brambles. And I'm in the middle of it and it's pouring rain and it's cold and it's windy and it's just not a nice place. And I'm trying to get out of it as fast as I can. And, I, you know, in the dream, I remember saying, God, take me back to the other place. I like the other place. And... He spoke to me in those two images. He said, you know, so many people try to get out of the thorns really fast. And many people sit in the meadow. And when you sit in the meadow, the danger can be that you don't listen to God because you're in a good place. And the danger can be in the, in the thorns that you're not listening to God because you're just trying to get out. And in both situations, if you, what he spoke to me was, if you would just listen to me and be with me, and almost ignore the surroundings. Yeah, it's not going to be fun when you're in the thorns, but everybody goes through the thorns. But if you listen to me, I'll, I'll give you the best way out. And everyone loves the meadow, but you can miss things for your life because you're just satisfied with the meadow. And if you listen to me, I'll take you to greater things. How can there be greater than this? He's greater than this. And so it taught me that in everything, in the best seasons of your life, in the worst seasons of your life, if your focus is on him, you can handle anything. And it, it goes to First uh, Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances. And, uh, you know, for the longest time, I struggled because why would I give thanks for being in the thicket? Why would I give thanks for that? It, it's not give thanks because of it, it's give thanks in it, in all circumstances, no matter where you find yourself. And essentially what Paul is saying there is give thanks to God, connect with God, be connected with him, make him. And, you know, before I start preaching, I'm not going to preach, but it gets back to even Jesus's story of the pearl of great price. I want the pearl. I want him so much that I'll buy the whole field. I don't care what the field looks like. I just, I want him. And in those, in the best times of your life and in the worst times of your life, those things can fade away. If you just have him, he's better than both. And so I have to remind myself of that. Sometimes I think it's why God gave me such a vivid dream is so that I'm a very visual person. So I can close my eyes and see that dream. And it, it hits me again to know I, I need to make him the priority, not where I am, but whose I am that makes sense. Well, 
be holy as I am holy is really what's the main thing that he's speaking to me for us right now. Um, there's been a long time and a, and a great need to know his love, how greatly he loves us. But I think we've taken that so much that great love means everything is acceptable. And uh, that's a dangerous place to be. And for us as the body, for us as the church, we have to understand that, yes, we are greatly loved and we need to hang on to that. But we have a responsibility to be holy as he is holy, which means that we have to look at the things that we are involved in, the things that we take in, um, engage that, not by just love means everything is acceptable, but he wants more for us and it requires us to be holy as he is holy. And my sense of that is not that we have to strive for holiness. We can't do that on our own. We can't be holy by ourselves. But he's saying, be with me, because the more we're with him, we become more like him, and he is holy. Therefore, I am holy. Yeah, we are called to live lives that are, is, we, we are set apart. And sometimes that's an ongoing discussion we can have with ourselves and really how, how that's shaped and what that looks like. But we're called to be set apart in obedience, and we do have his love. But uh, there's a sermon I love by Craig Rochelle. It's uh, God wants us holy more than he wants us happy. Yeah. And so he will take us through the things that we're called to sacrifice because he cares more about our holiness than our happiness. And that's really, really good. So as we close, can I just invite the community to just uh, reach out their hands in, in love and care towards Matt and Jen? Uh, we're just really thrilled. They have come sacrificially. It costs them to sit on this stage. It costs them to say yes to Grand Valley Church. And they do it uh, because they love the Lord and they love this place and they believe in it. Um, and we believe in you both. And we see and accept the gift of you and, and, and the future work and energy that you pour in here. Uh, we set us ourselves kind of under your authority to listen, to learn, and to grow with you. Uh, and we just ask that God would bless them and their family. Amen. So let's just pray to that end together as we wrap up. Lord God, we're just so thankful for Matt and Jen. We're so thankful, Jesus, that you brought them to Grand Valley Church. We're so thankful, uh, like they have a story, God, that we all have a story. God, that you're moving through us as individuals, but you're moving through us also as a full community. And you're unfolding new things, beautiful pictures. You're equipping, challenging, shaping, shifting. God, we are so grateful that you're, you're with us. God, we ask for blessings over Matt and Jen, for their children, for their home, for supernatural provision. God, that they would know in a continuing way who they are, uh, why they're here, and that we would just enjoy the journey and the process of learning and growing together. Thank you, God, so much for their vulnerability, for their gifts, and for how they bless this family. Uh, we love them, and we say, God, again, protect them, honor them. We love you. And we all said together,